Well, it's exciting. We're coming up to Christmas, aren't we? Apparently. We're almost there. Uh, I wonder when you think about Christmas, Christmas can be a great time of what? How would you finish that sentence? A great time of celebrating. celebrating. Great. What else? Stress. Stress. Okay, very good. Yes, other, that's my wife. Uh, other, <laughs> other things? Eating. A great time of eating. What else? Joy. Joy. Absolutely. I think it can also be a great time of waiting. Uh, let, let me tell you why, why I think waiting. Uh, for those of you who have ordered online, uh, <laughs> uh, you might be looking, is that thing going to turn up? Is it actually going to make it to me? Uh, are we going to get there? Uh, or if you've decided not to get things online uh, and you've gone to uh, MacArthur Shopping Centre, uh, you might be waiting some time to find a, a free parking spot uh, to actually p- park your car. Um, I think uh, particularly if you've got kids, it uh, can be a great time of waiting for them to go back to school again. Um, and for them, uh, they're just waiting, 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 aren't they, for the day. They just, is it Christmas yet? Are we there yet? It's funny. I think Christmas can be a great time of waiting. I want to take you from uh, the hurly-burly of our Christmas uh, back to that first Christmas and think about the people who were waiting on that day. So uh, Carolyn's just brought us the reading. If you have your Bibles there and open them up, we're in Luke chapter 2. And uh, if you have a look with me here at, um, at chapter, chapter 2 and verse 1, we see there was somebody who was waiting. Uh, the person who was waiting was Caesar Augustus, uh, the most powerful man in the world. Uh, he was waiting. What was he waiting for? Well, he was waiting for a census to be taken by one of his governors, uh, Corinius. Uh, we assume that he was waiting for the census to be taken, not just so that he had a big number in front of him, the reason that rulers take up a census is that they might be able to do what? Does anyone know? Taxes. It's all about taxes. So back in Rome, thousands of kilometres away from Israel, the most powerful man in the world was waiting for a census to be carried out so he could make more money. First person who's waiting on the first Christmas. Second person who was waiting was Mary. Uh, we have had some people recently who've been Uh, We can say heavy with child. Uh, And uh, particularly at this time of year, uh, that is a very awkward and inconvenient thing when you're almost, almost at the point where you're going to deliver a baby. And we can assume uh, that Mary, uh, we're we're guessing from the the information here, has a donkey ride, a donkey ride, uh, being heavily pregnant. I think it's fair to say she was waiting for her child to arrive anytime soon. Please, Lord, have mercy. The, uh, the third person I think that was waiting on the first Christmas uh, was Joseph. Now, I don't know how much you think about Joseph. He's kind of the, the second string, third string guy. We, he's sort of on the sidelines of things at Christmas. I just want to think with you for a second. Joseph was waiting for Mary's child to be born. He knew that that child was born from God. I reckon, just between us... I reckon he was waiting to see the face of his child. Waiting to see who is this child who will be born to me, who I'll bring up, who's the son of God. I think Joseph would have been waiting to see the face of his child. There was someone else who was waiting. The whole nation of Israel was waiting and had been waiting all the time from that promise being made to David that was brought to us by Heidi in 2 Samuel 7. They'd been waiting for a king to come. 
the one who would rule on David's throne and be the king. Israel had been going through a terrible time. They'd gone away in exile, they'd come back. They now had an occupying army, the Romans, in their country. And they were waiting for a true king to come, the descendant of David, waiting, waiting, waiting. They'd been waiting for at least 400 years. I want to take us to see, as we look at this story this morning, this account here, um, I want us to see a little bit more close and a little bit more slowly. We're going to get to the shepherds, uh, but I want us to do it as we work through uh, the passage in front of us. So let's have a look uh, at, um, at uh, verse 4 here. So Joseph went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, so to, to Bethlehem, the town of David. You know we'd been waiting for King David. Do you, do you remember that, King David's descendant? And Joseph is going up to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, I know you know this piece of information, but I want you to think with me again this morning, just about this for a second. We remember 2 Samuel 7. We just can't help but hear it. Here's a descendant of David in the town of David about to have a child. Could this be the promised king? More than that, I I don't know. David goes to a place where his relatives are. Well, that's, that's apparently right. They're all descendants, right? And they go to the town of Bethlehem. I find it extraordinary that there's no room for this couple in that town. There's two thoughts in my mind. Thought number one, perhaps they travelled late because they were hoping that Mary would give birth before they travelled. And so when they got there, literally every room in the place was taken up. We probably think of a city with thousands of people in it. There are probably only a couple of hundred people living in Bethlehem. And when you put another couple of hundred people in there, literally it's impossible to find a place to stay. There will be no vertical structures to stay in. But I wonder, just as I was thinking about this story, I wonder... Did people in Bethlehem know about the virgin birth? By which I mean, did they know that there was someone carrying a child who was illegitimate? I I, I don't imagine everyone would have sympathetically heard Mary say, oh yeah, the child that's in me is from God. I wonder if the rumour mill had gone ahead of them to Bethlehem. And the reason they couldn't find any room was because people wouldn't have them. I'm speculating. But I think it's good to think into the real world where there's actual social difficulty, when there's not everyone believing the things that are being said. And I just observed that he goes to a place where theoretically his relatives are and they have no room. Were they too late or had the rumour meal got there ahead of them? This is where we uh, get to the people that we're talking about today, the shepherds. Uh, I think it's just fabulous. We go from, uh, we go from this people who've uh, travelled from... Uh, travelled from, uh, from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And then it says in verse 8, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. It's odd to note at some level, it's a bit like saying, and there were streetlights on and it was dark. Well, what, what I mean was there were always shepherds keeping watch of flocks at night, just what they did. So to observe that here, and there were shepherds, that's just standard so unless you think that something very special was happening with the shepherds if you've got sheep and it's night time guess what you've got to be doing you've got to look after them okay so here we go at one level that's very ordinary 
Now, I don't know what you've heard about the shepherds. Uh, it seems that the shepherds are at times, uh, at times despised and at times revered. Well, let me tell you, for example, I read some stuff that said basically the shepherds was a low-class job. No one really liked to do it and they were outside. Uh, the flip side is, what was King David's job before he became king? He was a shepherd, right? And in that passage in 2 Samuel, God said that he appointed rulers over Israel to shepherd them. It's actually a way that the Bible talks about rulers. It's actually a way that the Bible lifts up people from the profession of being shepherds and says that I have made you to be a shepherd of my people because you've showed yourself faithful with the sheep. So on one level, we've got this kind of idea that they're despised. On the other level, we've got this idea that they're actually, it's actually a, a way of talking about kingship. So it's not, it's not entirely clear how the shepherds were seen. But I, I wonder, the reason that people didn't think that they were so great is that they were outside and that they were social outsiders. Uh, what that also meant, I think, was that they wouldn't have been able to participate in all the cleansing rituals that would have been part of being a Jew. Right, So you wash your hands, you go to the temple, you offer your sacrifices. If you're a shepherd, right, you're out there dirty and stinky with the animals, sleeping rough, I think at some level the religious people would have thought, you're not really like us. People who couldn't fit in very easily with the Jewish religion. And I, as I was thinking about this, I was just thinking, look, I think there are some people who find it hard to fit in with the way we do our, Christi- our Christianity today. So there are some shift workers, um, shut-ins, Um, There's some labourers who have to work at times when we do church stuff that actually makes it very hard for them to fit in with our church community. I wonder, as I reflected on on the shepherds being at some level social outsiders, whether we do enough to keep including people who find it difficult to fit in with doing church with us here. So that's a good challenge for our new year. We meet the shepherds. Now, watching their flocks at night, it says in verse 9, And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Uh, First things first, they were doing the most mundane task. What does a night washing sheep look like? Has anyone done it, by the way? I can imagine they're pretty quiet, and nothing very much happens. Night after night, after night, after night. And anyway, here they are out there doing their mundane job, right? And all of a sudden... I mean, it's extraordinary that the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. Well, I'd be terrified too. Here's a bright light in the sky and we don't know what's going on. Uh, We're we're on defensive mode for our sheep and and they're terrified. Uh, It's really interesting to think. It says the angel of the Lord appeared to them. I don't know whether that means an angel from the Lord or the angel of the Lord. Suffice to say, it's a terrifying sight. It's worth thinking about, when has God appeared to people? He doesn't do it very often, does he? Appeared to Moses, to Jacob, to Isaiah, to Ezekiel. Not, not so many people. And all of those people are awesome, mighty leaders in the history of Israel. Who does God appear to right now? Shepherds. That's pretty remarkable. The glory of the Lord comes and he speaks to shepherds. That's just extraordinary. It shows us how much God loves normal, ordinary people, that he makes this incredible show to the shepherds. 
Uh, note the proper response to God appearing. What's the proper response to God appearing? Oh, God, I'm going to sing you a little joyous worship song now. What's the response? Terrified. Now, I don't think that means innately that God's scary. But what it means is meeting the holy God is a terrifying experience. I want you to note, though, God's gracious reaction. Oh, I've got one more point here. I just, I just remember this is good. Um, wrote this last night. No, I, I, I've been working on it. Um, here's, here's something really interesting. I, I just want to observe this with you because uh, we can. Uh, Jesus died on the cross, yes? When he was crucified, does anyone know what hour it was in the day? It's the middle of the day. What normally is the middle of the day like? Bright sunshine. Tell me what happened when Jesus was crucified on the cross. Absolute darkness when Jesus dies. What time of day is it when the shepherds have this visitation? It's night. What's night like? What happens in the dark when Jesus is born? Bright light. The glory of the Lord shone around them. I just think that there's a beautiful symmetry there. At his birth, light bursts into darkness. At his death, the day is darkened. Isn't that extraordinary? Praise God. I, I, I love picking these things up in this story. But the angel said to them, isn't this great? The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be the sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Uh, first things first, Christmas, stressful, busy, uh, overeating. What's it supposed to be about? A time of great joy. A great joy. Why? Well, because God has sent a saviour who is Christ. That's the anointed one, a king, the Lord. We're supposed to be rejoicing because God has sent his king. Notice that God has remembered his word to David. He promised King David a thousand years before Jesus was born that one of his descendants would rule on his throne forever. A thousand years later, God kept his word. That's awesome. Uh, Second thing uh, for us to note is what happened straight after that revelation. We can see it here in, uh, in verses 13 and 14. It wasn't just enough to have the glory of the Lord shine and an announcement. Here's what happened as well. Heaven couldn't help itself. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host, read army, of the heavenly army appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. It was like it couldn't be contained. This was such good news. It literally spilled out over heaven and into the sky above these shepherds, even shepherds. At one level, uh, imagine it was to happen today. Uh, God would send a a text broadcast um, so that everyone would get a text message, maybe an email. Uh, Then every, every TV channel would go live with extensive streaming coverage. Notice what God did. In a backwater of the Roman Empire, in Judea, in the town of Bethlehem, shepherds saw this great company of heaven praising God. It's an amazing humility of God at one level. He could have done it over all the face of the earth, couldn't he? Couldn't he? 
And yet he chose to speak to shepherds and say, I have given you something precious, the news that will change the world. When the angels had left them, they eventually went. I think the shepherds were, that was a pretty good show. We watched the fireworks last night. It's better than that. Uh, when, the she- when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They are eager. Notice that their faithful first steps, having heard, is to go, we heard it announced, and now our job is to go and see. Because they could go, oh, that was a pretty good show. Yeah, I like the angels. Good news. Oh, I'm pleased that there's good news. Good, right. Anyone got a sleeping sheep that I can put my head on? You know? and they don't do that. They go, this is such good news. We need to go and check it out. And so they did. Uh, verses, uh, verse 16 is where we, we pick it up. So they hurried off. And found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. There's so many good things in here. Uh, First of all, they found it exactly as God had said. God keeps his word. Uh, Secondly, they, they, they saw and then they did what? They went and told people. I think good news is always like this. Anytime you have truly good news, you can't keep it in. They, they, they had to tell. They had to announce the good news. So what they did next was announce it. I think that's awesome. No, notice here, um, all who heard it were amazed. They, they, were, they were probably amazed that uh, shepherds had said anything, is my guess. Because shepherds normally stay out in fields and they'd come into town and they'd started announcing good news. That sounds a little bit like something that we want to do here at New Life. Have we heard some good news? Yes. Yeah, right. And if you hadn't before, welcome to church. Uh, You've just heard some good news. God has sent his saviour into the world. His name is Jesus. That's good news. There is hope and forgiveness with God. What are we about at New Life? Well, there's there's our thing. We're about New Life. What are we about? New Life in every home. How is that going to happen? Two things. We are going to give the message of New Life. And people who've received it are going to live new life for Jesus. Let me take you over here. Giving the message of new life. What if you and I have heard the good news about Jesus? What do we want to do? We want to be people who connect, who care, who communicate that good news to others and lead them to commit to him as king. It's very simple. But if you've heard truly good news, can I ask you to start on that journey? Take the people that you know and love, the people that you're just meeting, on those steps, connect with them, care for them, show them the love of God. Uh, incidentally, that's why we did carols last night. We want to care for people. We want to be a blessing. But don't let it rest there. Communicate clearly about Jesus and lead people to commit to him as king. So the shepherds were all action. I love them. They're fantastic. Men of, men of action. What does Mary do? Oh, I really love this. It's, it's profoundly personal and profoundly human i think it says uh, in verse 19 but mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart the shepherds returned glorifying and praising god for all the things that they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told so i, th- I think there's there's two responses here mary had already been told the good news hasn't she and so her reflection was just to see god in action and treasure it She remembered with intent. She could see God's goodness and she was treasuring the memory. 
The shepherds, they're awesome. Uh, they can't keep it in. Having announced to everyone, and, and incidentally, I think, run out of people to talk to in Bethlehem, then decided that they'd better go back to the sheep. And on the way back, they, they weren't just like, yeah, well, I'm going to be tired tomorrow. No, they're like, no, praise God. If we can't talk to anyone else, we're going to praise God for the good news that we've seen. So two responses to engaging with God's word. There's pondering and there's praise here uh, flowing over. Well, I want to think for a second as we, we kind of bring it together. Uh, I want you to see the flow of what happened for the shepherds. There was revelation. God chose to reveal himself to them. There was investigation. I've heard something about God. I'm now going to go and check it out for myself. Then there was deliberation. Right. Is this actually what God said? Yes, we find a baby in a manger and that is exactly what God said. We found it. Then there was proclamation. If that's true, what should we do? Uh, better keep a secret. God let us in on something, I think, for our own benefit. Don't tell anyone. That, 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 that doesn't make any sense. Now notice here, notice, please notice, no one had to be told to be evangelists. Do you see this? No one had to be kicked up the backside and say, hey, uh, look, if you really love God, you'll go and have an awkward and uncomfortable conversation with people about Jesus. No, 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 that's not what it's about. Have you found truly good news in Jesus? And if you have, it's not a matter of someone twisting your arm until you feel guilty enough to go and say something awkward. It's the natural overflow of the joy you have from finding new life with Jesus yourself. It shouldn't be a fear-inducing, sweaty, terrible business. What it should be is the joyous overflow of the finding of good news. Proclamation leads to veneration. I was, I'm just going with Asians. Uh, let me tell you what that is. They worship God. They, the, at the end, it led to praise. You may wonder why we sing songs in church. Why do we do that all the time? Haven't we sung enough? Why do we keep doing it? It's the natural overflow of having proclaimed Jesus. We've, we've heard his goodness again and we just want to honour him. We want to honour him. In practice, oh, we'll look at these coming up again. Isn't that exciting? I'm pleased that they're coming up again. <laughs> uh, in practice, what that means, revelation. I want to encourage you guys, seek God more. You know, you know God has revealed to us, might not have been as bright and shiny. But this word, the Bible that we have, that is his revelation. That's his account of what he's doing in this world. If you don't have one today, there is one on your chair or you can steal from one from someone sitting next to you. We would love you to take the Bible on the seat with you and take it home and get into God's revelation of himself. Seek God. He wants to be found. Seek God more. Check out God. If you're sitting here today and you're thinking, it's interesting, but I don't really know too much about it. Can I say, don't rest there. Check God out. We've actually got, it's very convenient, actually, on the table out there, we've got a thing called the essential Jesus. It's this size. It's the whole Gospel of Mark, Mark's account of Jesus' life. It'll take you 45 minutes to read. Get into it. Uh, It's well worth uh, investigating. So on the table out there, grab one. They're free as well if you don't want to take the whole Bible. Uh, Deliberation. I want you to consider God. If you're a Christian and you're sitting here and you're getting to Christmas just worn out because of all that Carol's work that you've been doing, um, if you're, if you're worn out and over, overrun, can I ask you to take some time in this next week to consider God again? 
to think about the wonder of what he has done for us and to not just arrive exhausted, but arrive ready to give praise and thanks to God. I'd love you to talk about God. I'm not going to say anything to make you feel guilty. I just want to remind you of how good he is. And you know what? We've got Christmas services coming up and I'd love you to invite some of those people along to share the good news that you've heard. Praise God. Keep doing it. Find joy in it. Delight in it. And if you can't think of any good reasons to praise God, grab one of those essential Jesuses and read it. It's pretty good. God's pretty good. I like praising him. All right, Christmas is time of waiting. We saw the shepherds were out there doing their normal business. They were watching sheep. It was terribly boring. The people of Israel had been waiting for at least 400 years for another king to come who would rule on David's throne. David, if he'd been still alive, had been waiting a thousand years for that promise to be fulfilled. How should we wait at Christmas time? I want you to wait like a faithful shepherd, even if it should take 400 years. We're waiting for Jesus to come back. Let's wait joyfully, proclaiming our risen Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you chose to break into this world to save us from our sin and rebellion. I thank you, Father, that you chose to bring this amazing news to the most humble people in the land. Father, we thank you for the great humility of your son, Jesus, born in a shed, laid in a feeding trough. We thank you, Father, for the example that sets before us to never lift ourselves up, but to hold him high. Help those of us today, Father, who are still to check you out to do so, that we might find you. Help those of us who followed you for many years to be refreshed in the joy of Christmas, that we might wait for your return patiently like faithful shepherds. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.